Hello, hello, and welcome to the last episode of 2023 of the Dear Nikki podcast, where I do my best to answer your user research-related questions, struggles, obstacles, or anything that you have in mind, any topics you have in mind when it comes to user research, and give you the best advice that I can. I can't believe that this is the last episode. I'm not going to lie. I'm recording it ahead of time because I'm already on holiday. (laughs) I love that feeling. When things go out and I'm already gone. Yeah, I'm taking quite a long holiday this year because when you own your business, what tends to happen is you don't really get holidays because you're always working, <laughs> right? There's nobody really to cover for you. Uh, I know I know quite a few people who own businesses that employ you know, virtual assistants or tech people or customer support people or other staff and whatnot, but that is not where I am. I always, whenever I think about hiring somebody, I always want to be able to pay them the most fair salary that I can for whatever role that I would hire them for, and I'm just not not quite there yet. So hopefully one day I will be able to hire somebody to help out with uh, some of the more boring things. There's a lot of boring things, to be honest, when it comes to business stuff. And uh, it's emails. Honestly, it's just emails. Emails are the toughest, most draining thing in the world. So yeah, I am very much looking forward to the break and having some time off. And just as a reminder to everybody, there will be a break in content uh, between now and I will be starting up again the week of January 8th. Yay. So I think that means about two weeks break of content. Yes. Math. It gets harder. (laughs) Gets harder and harder. So yes, very much looking forward to the time off and actually spending that time. Unfortunately, I'm not 100% off in the sense that I have to check my inbox in case something goes wrong, but hopefully nothing goes wrong and everybody else is enjoying some time off as well because I think we all need it at this point. It's It's been quite a year, right? For for everybody, I feel like quite quite a year. And that actually leads in perfectly to the topic that I wanted to cover today because I've had quite a few people reach out to me in terms of talking about or asking questions about the topic of burnout. So I wanted to record this episode, especially since it's near the end of the year and I feel like the later and later we get into the year, the more likely we are to feel symptoms of burnout or to be burnt out, right? And so the reason that I wanted to share this episode in particular for this date is because I feel like it's super relevant and it might be helpful, hopefully, to reflect and talk about my experience and some of the things that I did to mitigate burnout in the past when it came to my role as a user researcher full-time in an organization. And I wanted to do that kind of up into the run-up to the new year because I know hopefully a lot of people are going to be able to take some holidays and those are always Reju- well, not always rejuvenating, not going to lie, but hopefully this, these particular ones will be rejuvenating for people. And so having this in mind, you know, the whole how, how do we kind of go through and navigate burnout will maybe help if that's something that you're experiencing. And maybe I can share with you hopefully some things that will 
mitigate those feelings and give you a chance to to relax and you know pick up in the new year feeling good you know because that's that's what we need and as it is what we need and if we need to feel we need to feel good and so for today's episode I di- I didn't have one specific question to pose right it was just a few people who have who have come to me talking about this this kind of feeling and asking me about my experience with it. So what I wanted to do was share a little bit about the experiences that I've had when it came to burnout and some things that I did to try and mitigate that. I have not solved the riddle like I'm burnt out. <laughs> you know, after it's been it's been quite a year with my with my business and you know, with the economy being as it is, it's been really tough these past few months. So I I am also burnt out, but trying to mitigate those feelings as much as possible by taking the coping strategies that I learned and employed during my full-time role and trying to do those within the context of my business, right? And my business, I guess, more of a consultancy or freelance uh, vibe than a, than a full-time role. So I'm doing my best to try and navigate that right now and trying to minimize those feelings of burnout and still trying to find that enjoyment in the day to day but i i'm not going to lie there were a few times where i've you know sat down trying to think of some some podcast episodes that would be helpful for people or some content that might be helpful and you know it's been it's been a bit of a struggle to to do that and to get into that headspace cuz i just want to sit and eat popcorn and watch friends <laughs> But I know that that's not fulfilling, which is why we're going to talk about some other stuff that we can do rather than just binge watching Netflix shows, although that's not a bad thing all the time. So uh, I first experienced burnout in New York City uh, in one of my full-time roles as a user researcher. And I'm I'm going to compare that experience to the experience that I had when I was living in Germany and experienced burnout as well. So because it's it's two different cultures, two different ways of dealing with things. So my the first time that I truly experienced burnout, I was a solo user researcher working across, you know, almost 10 different teams. Well, yeah, 10 different teams. Not all of them had the same needs for user research all the time, right? So I was able to juggle all of that. Well, <laughs> was I? <laughs> I tried to juggle all of that the best that I could. And what started to happen is I started to feel like my days were constant catch up, right? I could never get ahead of anything. And as somebody who loves to plan and as somebody who is, you know, perfectionistic, as somebody who likes to get ahead of things, that's my favorite thing to look at my to do list and get ahead of it. Oh, that is the best feeling that I could ever accomplish, right? And so what happened is because I was stretched fairly thin through this role, I was constantly playing catch up. And it was, I was, I was late for things. I passed deadlines. You know, I walked into, research sessions with the wrong prototypes, with the wrong discussion guide. I made silly mistakes with scheduling. I forgot to do things. I never – like I'm very good and very diligent with my to-do list and very rarely do I forget things, right? Very rarely. And what happened is I was forgetting all of this stuff. I was forgetting to send emails or reply to emails. I was forgetting about 
appointments that I had. You know, I missed I missed personal appointments because I was so tired and so overwhelmed and I just ended up going home and like just sitting on the couch, right? And so my workload just felt completely unmanageable. But as somebody who doesn't like to disappoint others, as somebody who is, again, perfectionistic and who doesn't – back then, I didn't really like to ask for help. I just kind of took it, right? And what happened after some time is I had to – I actually got pretty sick and I had to take some time off for for I got a really really horrible flu and I just had to take some time off for that and then I booked some holiday on top of that but the problem with working in America <laughs> is that you don't get much holiday and at one organization that I was working at holiday was also sick leave right so if you got really sick yeah but your holiday also went kind of out the window um sorry if you could hear my dog barking in the background. The postman just came and rang the doorbell. So Poncho is uh, saying hi to him as he always does. So I, uh, yeah, and I'm too tired to restart this podcast to do this all over again. So here we are uh, celebrating imperfections one step at a time and Poncho really won't shut up. So I apologize if uh, he is part of our podcast, but he is really feeling like he has to talk to the postman today. So anyways, I I ended up taking some sick leave and then I took some holiday and I did my best to disconnect from work. And when I went back into work, what I did is I sat down and I had a very supportive manager. So I was able to sit down with my manager and finally say, you know, if this continues, I'm not going to come into work. I can't. Like it's too overwhelming. I'm too I'm I've had so much caffeine. I I don't drink coffee and I was drinking, you know, so much green tea that I was jittery, right? All through the day. <laughs> and that takes a lot of green tea. And so I sat down with my manager and I talked to him about you know, my workload and and how how I was feeling and you know, we we mitigated some of it and some of it was unavoidable because I was a team of one working across an organization that I had hyped up user research at. <laughs> so everybody wanted to do user research. And what we ended up doing is we helped train the designers to do more of the usability testing or the surveys or the unmoderated testing, right? So that I could focus more on the bigger projects or the more complex projects or the generative research or like the complex usability testing projects or card sorting or other other types of methodologies that were a bit more advanced. And so that was my first experience with burnout. And I'm not going to lie, I'm not sure that I really fully recovered from that. And then I was laid off from that job and I had no choice but to recover because it was around Thanksgiving time. So it was actually around this time of year. Uh, actually, sorry, this time of year when I'm recording this, but not when I am sending this out to you. See, mistakes. Mistakes get made. <laughs> so it was around Thanksgiving time. So about a month ago when I'm when I'm recording uh, or when I'm sending this out. And I had no job prospects. It came as a big shock. And so 
for quite a few months. I don't think I got a job until February. So for quite a few months, I was forced into taking time off, right? And I I will say that the job hunt is its own kind of burnout. I'm not going to talk about that today because that is its own kind of burnout and you can easily burn out looking for a job, right? Especially now because of the job markets being a bit more tough. But what I ended up doing is I took a step back and I reevaluated because, as I said, I was sitting on the couch doing nothing, right? And I had to stop doing that. So while sometimes recharging in that way can be very beneficial, sometimes it goes against you as well. And I had just uh, I had just gone through a breakup. That's really funny. I had just gone through a breakup. I just got laid off for my job and I just moved to Brooklyn. So I was a Manhattan person and uh, the rent was way too much. And so I decided to move to Brooklyn. So I had three major things happen all at once, which meant I crashed on the couch for a while and did my job hunting. And once it got to mid-December, I kind of gave up on the job hunt because I knew nobody was going to do anything over Christmas time. Nobody was going to hire me over Christmas time. And so what I did is I took a step back and I decided to get back into things that I really enjoyed doing, right? And I think that this was one of the things that really, really helped me with recovering from burnout, both uh, the time that I'm talking about now and the next time I I really experienced that burnout. But before I get too much into the tips and how I how I did start to mitigate this and how I am currently mitigating my burnout now, I just wanted to talk about a slightly different experience that I had in Germany. So I was working at a really big company in Germany and it was COVID and I had joined during COVID and I think I met my coworkers once or twice and I'm pretty fairly certain it was relatively socially distanced as well. And it was really hard because I struggled in Berlin a lot just because the culture difference was really difficult for me coming from America. I I I I just I really struggled. I I didn't I didn't take enough time to try and learn the language, right? Because a lot of people spoke English and I slipped into that habit of just not learning German. And so I often felt really really uncomfortable in day-to-day situations because I thrive so much off of, you know, good vibes and and my environment and being able to communicate with people. So it was really difficult that I felt so often that I could not communicate with with others. And so between that, so just generally struggling in my environment plus COVID plus this new job, I was really, really overwhelmed. And it got to the point where I was so extremely overwhelmed with my job that I had to take mental health leave. And I ended up taking two, three weeks. I had to go to the doctor. I went and got a sick leave note uh, for mental health. And this is something that I wish that they had in America uh, that I was very fortunate to have in Germany is this mental health leave. And so I took a few weeks off and it was nice and it was good, (laughs) but I couldn't disconnect my mind from the fact that I had to go back to whatever I was experiencing prior. It almost felt like there was no way out of the situation that, yeah, great, I could get two or three weeks of a break, but 
then I'd be right back where I started, right? Because I couldn't heal what I was feeling in two to three weeks. It was impossible. And those feelings were things like withdrawal, withdrawal. I hate that word. It's so hard to, so hard to pronounce withdrawal. And so, which was very easy to do in COVID, right? But I just withdrew from everything that I loved doing, you know, writing, reading. So things that I could do inside, you know, working out, being active, being outside. And of course, with COVID, it was much easier to withdraw from those activities of being outside. But still, you know, we were allowed to go for a walk and I was allowed to, to you know, work out at home. And so I was also allowed to read and write, but I just completely shut down and I couldn't, I just couldn't muster up the energy to do anything, honestly, besides sit on the couch and eat, Right. And I'm the kind of person that eats my feelings, which is not good for my health. And so I ended up just making myself more miserable over those two or three weeks because instead of the kind of structure that my job gave me, what I had then was just a load of free time that I didn't have energy to fill outside of sitting on the couch, feeling miserable and eating, right? And so I just – because I just couldn't get out of the headspace and this trapped feeling of, okay, well, it's just going to come right back. Right. And so what I ended up doing, which is a very drastic thing, is I left, I quit the job, left Germany, and we moved to Jersey. Right. So that, that is not what I am uh, kind of um, recommending everybody do. It's not easy to move to Jersey and uh, it's quite a small island. So, but I, I just drastically changed my life to ensure that I wasn't actually going to go back to all those feelings that I had before. And of course, you know, burnout follows you wherever you may go. Um, as I said, there are feel I still have feelings of burnout now, but I am doing a better job with mitigating them. So the things that – so we had some time between when I quit and when we moved to Jersey. You know, there was there was a period of time where we had to get things sorted, visas and everything, and, and get, get ourselves over to – Jersey and do the big moves and all of all of that stuff. And so there was some time between me ending my job and me starting my I and I was I was working full time and I was also doing my business on the side of my full-time job, which isn't helpful. So I went kind of straight into promoting my my business full time. So I wasn't not working, but I was doing something that felt new and exciting. So that helped mitigate some of those feelings of of burnout. And I was able to structure my day a little bit around that. But what I will say is there are a few things that I that I did that made a big difference that are also making a really big difference now when I feel burnt out. So I know that I can slip into that habit of shutting down and not reaching out for help, not talking to anybody. So I go very quiet with my friends, with my family, and I can do that very easily, sit on the couch, eat, and watch friends, right? And so what I started doing was I started forcing myself and forcing in the most gentle way. I started forcing myself to do things that I loved doing, right? So I love playing tennis. I play tennis really frequently now. And I I love playing squash. I play squash really frequently now too whenever I can't play tennis, right? I'm out and about a lot. I'm hanging out with friends, right? I'm I'm writing every single day. I'm reading every single night, right? And so what I did was I started to force myself to do the things that I knew energized me that I feel like I didn't have the energy to do. 
And what I what I saw is I I took it very slowly, right? I wasn't like, okay, I'm just gonna write a novel, which is something that I had totally done in the past. I was like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna write 500 words a day, or I'm gonna write for an hour. And it was the same with reading. Okay, I'm gonna read for an hour at night instead of watching TV up until the moment that I go to sleep, or I'm gonna go for a 30 minute walk, a 45 minute walk, or what whatever whatever it is. And so. What I what I did is I I assigned these what felt more manageable times to the activities that I knew would bring me more energy. And that is something that I really, really highly recommend is doing your best to find things or get back into things that you know bring you joy, right? And that can sometimes be hard if you've if you've been away from them for a while, right? So I was away from tennis for a very long time, for 10 years, I think, right? And then the, I don't know, maybe six months ago when I was feeling pretty burnt out, I was like, oh, I'm going to start playing tennis again. And I got back into it. And was it pretty? No. But I was like, all right, I'm just going to try and play like once once a week or twice a week. And now I don't even know how much. I play like three, four times a week whenever I can, right? And, and so sometimes it can be a bit hard to get into that or you might forget what you like. It's fine to forget what you like. It's fine to forget what brings you joy. And I always recommend, you know, think back to when you were a kid what brought you joy? What brings that like child joy, that inner child? And that's something that I heavily relied on. You know, I love video games. And so if I'm feeling really burnt out and I don't want to be super active, I will go back to playing video games. Or I have, you know, three or four books that hold so much nostalgia for me and I'll just reread those books, right? If I if I feel like I can't connect or can't find anything new to read, I'll just reread those very, very nostalgic books or listen to nostalgic music, right? I have a, a retro – like an old school Game Boy, like an actual Game Boy Color and I will go and I will play the Game Boy Color, uh, Pokemon on the Game Boy Color like to to induce that that feeling of nostalgia because it just – it's something that brought me so much joy when I was younger and when the 151 Pokemon cards came out, they're the remake of the original 151 Pokemon. I went nuts. <laughs> I have I have so many Pokemon cards that because they ju- just brought me so much joy because that's all I did when I was younger was collecting Pokemon cards and like it was it was just such a joy. They were just so many joyful moments around that that I wanted to recreate that. So recreating those moments as best as you can outside of work and making sure that you are trying to delineate between work and personal time. I know that can be particularly hard. I work from home, so it can be really easy for me to just not take the time because I don't really have a commute. I I work from cafes sometimes, which is quite nice, but I can't record a podcast in a cafe, you know, and there's some stuff that I can't do at a cafe or at a co-working space that I have to do here. So it's really important for you to try and delineate the time between work and personal time if you don't have that commute or don't have that boundary line, right? I heard that somebody, what they did is at the end of their day, they like lit a candle and that was the sig- signifier that the day was over for work. So that was that was very nice. And so that one, that one I think by and large helped me the most was making sure to 
re-engage with hobbies, that brought me energy and that took my mind off of work. I don't think about work when I'm playing tennis. I literally can't. I'm I'm thinking about breathing, right? <laughs> and so those those things were were extremely helpful and still are very helpful. Another thing that I would say that's that's really, really helpful, like when when it comes to user research related things, is try not to book too many research sessions in one day. I used to do this so often where I was back-to-back research sessions. And as an introverted person, I was so drained and I actually got worse at the interviews as time went by, right? So I got more biased, I got more sloppy, I got more leading, and it wasn't serving me, it wasn't serving the participant, it wasn't serving the team. And so now I'm don't do more than two or three. Three is my absolute max. And generally speaking, I really like to do two a day because I know that if I start to do more and if I start to pile that up, I I won't be able to function as a normal human and it will wear down on me and and chip away at me so much. And so I – created my schedule in a way and shared with my team, you know, this is this is my boundary line. And something that I really highly recommend doing is setting those boundaries at work and not just setting them, but honoring your own boundaries. Because if you're anything like me, I am the first one to let go of a boundary, right? If somebody steps over it, I'm like, okay, <laughs> and then I'll be mad, right? But that person, how would that person have known that they were stepping over a boundary if I didn't even give them that boundary, right? And so something that I started doing when it came to boundaries, like what are the hours that I work? How do I respond? Do I respond better to emails or do I respond better to Slack messages, right? Like I am very creative in the morning and I need to do mindless tasks in the afternoon, right? So what I did, and I'm going to link to my husband's uh, version of this because I don't have my version anymore, is I created a personal readme and he also created one, which is why I'm going to uh, link to link to his in particular, where all these boundaries were more so spelled out in a document. And the reason that I did that is because a document is so much more objective than me getting upset because somebody is asking me to be in a meeting at seven o'clock at night, right? Uh, I, I, I I won't be able to handle that as well, right? So what I, what I did is I put in a document all of these different boundaries that I had and the way that I think and the way that I work, right? It's not just boundaries of like, don't talk to me after 6 p.m., right? It's, it's more like, hey, these are my general working hours. Hey, if you need something quickly from me, you can reach me on Slack. Hey, uh, you know, I I am very much more receptive to doing heads down work. I need to do that in the morning. I'm more receptive to meetings in the afternoon. I would really appreciate any meetings to be in the afternoon, things like that. And the fact that I'm introverted and I need some time to recharge, that I try not to do more than two or three research sessions in a given day, right? So all of those things went into my personal readme. So I do really highly recommend, even if you just keep it for yourself, to create those boundaries and create that document because it can really help objectively share what's going on and how you work and what your boundaries are. And it might also encourage other people on your team to do the same so that you can get a really good understanding of what people's needs are and what their boundaries are when it comes to work, right? And it also keeps you a bit more accountable for listening to and keeping your own boundaries because I I know that it's very easy for us to ignore our own boundaries. And so speaking of that, figure out what kind of 
working person you are in terms of when you work on the best on certain things, right? So as I said, I'm more creative in the morning. I'm more energized. I'm more of a of a morning person. Once I hit about two o'clock in the afternoon, three o'clock in the afternoon, two to three, I need to start doing more mindless tasks. So what I ended up doing is I put in my signature of my email, I said I only I check email three times a day. Right, I check it right when I start work very quickly, and that's more to tag things. So I have a tagging system for my email, which is, you know, to do urgent, or if I'm waiting for something from somebody, or if I need to follow up, but it's not super urgent, right? Or, you know, I, I had a variety of tags that helped me kind of organize my inbox. And then I say that I right before lunch, I check my inbox and start responding to people. And then I, at the end of the day, before the day wraps up, I check my inbox again and respond to people, right? So I made that very clear in in the signature of my email that these are the three times that I check my inbox. And it tried to, I it helped me stay accountable as well so that I wasn't just like refreshing my inbox all the time and getting stressed about what's, what was going on, right? So that I could focus. And so, as I said, that was really helpful because I was able to just sit down and focus on things in the morning, like writing research reports or doing deep analysis work or writing research plans or, you know, coming coming up with discussion guides. That was my time in the morning because that's when I was good at that. Now, my more mindless tasks, like putting together a screener survey and recruiting and, and scheduling and, you know, some of the more, I guess boring things that a user researcher does or meetings, right, were all held. I tried to put them off until the afternoon because I knew that my brain wouldn't be able to do the other things like report writing or synthesis in the afternoon. Now, did that always work perfectly? No, not at all. But as much as I could, I tried to honor that system. And again, that went into my personal readme as well, right? So it was very it was very clear to me and to other people at the organization that 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 was how i operated and people were pretty respectful of that especially when i also respected them uh and then another thing that was super helpful was i used breaks as a time to switch tasks so my lunch time was a break from that creative time into that more like afternoon task time, right? So I went from doing, uh, writing a research report or whatever, and I really focused on it from, let's say, 9 to 11.30, and then 11.30 to 12, I was writing my emails or responding to emails, and then I went on my lunch break, and then I came back to the day to do some of those more like task-based things that were less creative, right? So I did try and use breaks as a means to change what I was doing, and that was very helpful so that I was doing less context switching during the day. So I wasn't juggling between a report and a research plan and a screener survey and an agenda for a workshop all in the morning. And so when that started happening, I was like, okay, I need to sit down and actually plan my week and block off the time. And what I used to just do was block off and say work or busy or heads down space. And that wasn't helpful because when I got to that space, I couldn't remember what I was doing or what I wanted to do. And then I would just stare at the blank page, right? That kind of uh, syndrome there. So what I started doing on the uh, Thursday or Friday 
of each week was planning my next week. So I put my block down in my calendar, let's say from 9.30 to 11.30, I put a block in, but I put what I was actually doing, right? So I put, you know, report writing or synthesis for whatever project it was. And I was very explicit if I had several things to do uh, in that time. You know, so if I had to do synthesis and then go into a report, I was like, okay, I'm going to do synthesis first for this hour. I'm going to stand up for five minutes, stretch, and then I'm going to go into that report writing, right? So that was very helpful. So that instead of having to use any cognitive functioning to decide what I was going to do, I was just, I knew what I was going to do because I had already planned it out. And that took, surprisingly, that took a lot of cognitive load out of my day to day. And it helped me with just going into the work because I sat down, I looked at my calendar, I was like, great, I'm doing this. And I just went into it, right? So that was that was very helpful. And then I will say one of the last things that I did to really help myself out when I was feeling overwhelmed was to templatize everything that I could. So for me, emails are quite a drain. Emails are really, really draining for me. And I figured out that I was responding kind of similarly to a lot of the same emails or I was receiving a lot of the same emails that needed similar responses. And what I started to do is I started to templatize some of my emails. So I created something like canned responses. So uh, essentially templates of common responses that I would be sending to people, whether that's like, oh, you're asking for... A, a, a research project that I did. So I would kind of already have the entire email set up where it's like, hi, so-and-so, thank you so much for reaching out about this. You know, um, you're looking for this project, which you can find. And then I just put an X where I needed to put the link, right? So I know it sounds so small, like those little things, but it makes it so much easier when you don't have to start from scratch ever, or I mean, not ever, but for most things, right? Because even though it might sound like, oh, well, Nikki, that's like what, 30 words, if that, you know, I I can write that out. Well, after you've done it for a while, it starts to get really tiring, right? And so I do recommend as much as you can, like go through your inbox at a time when you have a little bit of extra space and extra time to to dedicate to this and see if you can find any trends and patterns within the types of emails that you're getting and see if you are responding in the same way to similar emails so that you can create that canned response. And, and instead of, again, instead of starting from scratch, you copy and paste it. You can also create um, template email templates in Gmail if you use Gmail. So you can even have them within Gmail so you don't you don't have to copy and paste them. So you can create these email templates and then all you have to do is, is copy and paste like the link or put in a name or put in, you know, very minimal work rather than typing out the whole thing. And again, I know that that sounds small, but sometimes it is the smaller things that make a huge difference for, for us day to day. Because I know that quite a lot of people find email pretty draining. So – uh, uh, hopefully, hopefully you can go through and start to templatize some of that because it is super, super helpful. And I will say I've even brought that into my day-to-day in my business and it is supremely helpful because I respond to a lot of the same kinds of emails or questions over and over again. And it's been a lifesaver to not have to start from scratch, even if I know what I'm going to say. It's just so much easier to like copy and paste it or use a Gmail template. So yeah. And I would always say holidays, if you can, book some holidays. It's not always – not. it's not a Band-Aid and it's not going to fix everything. But 
it can help. Um, and so those are the things that I'm really trying to do now is like I go to a cafe in the morning to get, you know, work done and I'm very explicit with the work that I'm doing. It's like write this article, you know, or write 3,000 words on this, you know, or record this podcast episode now. And so that has helped me quite a lot. It's also delineated between work and home. And so that and just remembering that there are things outside of work, right, and doing those hobbies even when I feel like – I mean, I'm just looking out the window right now and it's pouring down rain and I have to drive into town – uh, after this. And I'm just thinking, oh gosh, wouldn't it be so nice to just sit on the couch and watch friends? But I am going into town to do a meeting uh, with some friends and hang out. And I know that even though it's pouring down rain, that will energize me a lot more than sitting on the couch and watching friends. <laughs> oh, but it's raining very hard. <laughs> so uh, do your best to kind of remember those those things that re-energize you and try try and make them a part of your day-to-day as much as you can. And if you do have a supportive manager and supportive colleagues, please reach out to them. It is important uh, that you that you share what you are going through uh, because I promise you, you're not alone and you're not the only person who's going through it in your organization. And so it might help for you to bring it up. It might be scary, but if you bring it up, you might enable somebody else to bring it up and then you can have a deep and meaningful conversation about that, which is very helpful if you're feeling withdrawn or isolated. So anyways, this is a super long podcast episode. I apologize. I got a little bit carried away on it and making sure that I got in some of the tips that I've used in the past and that I'm currently using to to mitigate that feeling. But if you are feeling burnt out, you know, I'm I'm sorry. It's it is very hard, but there there are ways to to mitigate it and to feel feel better. And you know, it's not permanent. It's not forever. You know, we have that that saying: "This too shall pass." Right? And it's just about being aware and you know, just doing our best in the situation that we're we're currently in. Right? And I know that that's not an easy situation for a lot of people, but you know we're all we're all here and we're all going through it in our own different way you know with our own stuff you know and so just it will it will it there is always a light at the end of the tunnel you know and just be mindful and be kind to yourself as much as you can and i hope that you're taking some time off <laughs> sometime soon but anyways uh, i am very grateful and thankful for you all who have been listening for such a long time and what 50 episode 59 right and i hope you have a great end to your year happy 2023 end of 2023 and happy 2024 and i so look forward to all the new topics and things we can chat about in the new year i can't believe that it's almost here and uh yeah i i i hope that you all have such a fantastic end to that year and a restful one and a relaxing one and a reflective one where you where you can feel happy you know just yeah don't worry be happy what a vibe that would be <laughs> all right well i am officially signing out for 2023 and again i look forward to seeing you in a few weeks two weeks in the in the new year all right talk to you later <laughs>